All right. We are in a, a series that we've been doing the last three weeks called Root to Fruit. I'm actually going to call Pete to come on up because we're going to team teach this thing together. And first, he's, he's going to go to the board because we're going to do a little bit of a quiz. Is that okay with you guys? <laughs> we've, been, we've been doing a, a series called Root to Fruit um, which, in, in which we've been talking about our story as a church, what God was up to in the earliest days when we began, uh, our identity as a church and our mission and, and vision for who God has created us to be. Thanks for helping out with that, Dan. Um, which is that we, we want to be um, a church. We feel like God wants, to be, wants us to be a church who uh, uses the, the things that God has given us to be a blessing to others so that we would make disciples of Jesus. That God's intention for the world is that the, the earth would literally be covered with his presence and his glory and his fame as the waters cover the earth, as the waters, co- as the waters cover the sea. And God wants to, he, he, he takes a people from the world and then says, you're going to be my people, I'm going to send you, and you're going to represent me everywhere that you go. And we really w- want to be the kind of people that, that is praying towards and understanding that, that South Jersey, the place that we've been sent to, uh, one day will be saturated with the knowledge of who God is and that God has sent us here to begin that work today. Um, and so last week we talked about in order to do that, we need to be a church both of deep roots and rich fruit. You've heard us use that phrasing over and over and over again. But literally what it means, de- deep roots is kind of who God is and what he's done leads to rich fruit, who we are and, wh- and how we live. And so that's, that's what we talked about last week. So uh, I'm going to quiz you on it, okay? So we talked about the deep roots. Those of you who were here last week can kind of chime in on this. But we talked about the deep roots as being something that's rooted in the gospel, the, the good news of what Jesus has done, that God himself has come into the world to rescue and redeem all things, including us, through the work of his Son. And, and we, we use the word gospel to describe that. And so what it means to be rooted in the gospel means that we understand it in three different ways. Do you remember what some of those ways were? Can you think of maybe one of them? Yeah, there's a gospel power. Uh, Romans 1, 16 and 17, that uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. And so when we come to, to know God, we, we, there's a power that saves us. It saves us from uh, sin. It saves us from death. It saves us to Him. We talked about that. Good. What else? What's that? Posture. Good. Yeah, there's a posture to the gospel. That the God of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, the King of kings and Lord of lords, came into the world as a baby and humbled Himself as a servant to all. Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for any. And that means if we're connected to that Jesus, if we're following in his footsteps, then our posture at the same time will be to to be servants. Not people who are entitled to things, but people who say, how can I lower myself for the good of other people? Okay, great. What else? Purpose. Yeah, there's a purpose to the gospel. We said that the gospel is for us, Right, It includes us, but it's not about us. It's actually about Jesus and Him making disciples through us. 
uh, so that others would come to know who he is and get built up in him. And so there's a purpose to the gospel. Good. So that's the, if that's the deep roots of who we are, it leads to a new identity, right? And we talked about our new identity in three ways as well. What we're, name you know, what we talked about in terms of our new identity in Christ. Missionary. Good. Yeah, we are missionaries. So we're baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit makes us missionaries of God. The word missionary just means sent one. So it's someone sent for a purpose, sent with a message, sent to do something. And we understand that the, the, us being sent, we're sent as servants who are on mission for Jesus, for his fame and his sake, to, to see other people come to know him, to see them get a, a taste of what the kingdom is like by the way that we serve them and meet their needs. Okay, what else? Love one another as what? As family, right? We already mentioned that a number of times, that we're the family of God. God sent his only rightful son, Jesus, into the world, and Jesus gave up his rights as a son so that rebellious lost children like us could be counted as children of God. Anyone who believes in Jesus, anyone who puts their faith in him, John 1 says, you, you by faith become children of God with all the rights of the family. So that's why we talk about us being the family of God. So we treat God as our father and we treat one another as brothers and sisters. We care for one another in that way. Good. What else? Last one. Disciples. Yeah. So we're, we're part of the father's family. We're sent by the spirit on mission and we're disciples or learners of Jesus. And, and that word disciple means that we're literally taking all of our life, which is before we came to know Jesus, it was submitted to something else or someone else, and we're bringing it underneath the, pa- the power and the presence of Jesus. We're submitting it to Him, and we're saying, You're Lord over my life now. You're the one who gets to teach me how to live. You're the one who gets to tell me who I am. You're the one who gets to, to, to talk with me about what I do. And so Jesus said, If you love me, you'll actually obey my commands, right? You'll live in my ways. You'll walk the, the, the ways that I walked in the world. And so increasingly, as a church, we're learning how to do that together. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's kind of our, our identity. Great job. So if that's who we are, or if that's who God is and what He does, which leads to who we are and how we live, here's the next question that we have to talk through. And that's kind of what today is about, is the question that comes up in light of that. And it's the question, how do you structure and lead a church in such a way that it lives that out? Right? So everything that we talked about last week was kind of the principles of of who we are as a church. We are a family of missionary disciples. That's who we are. That's our identity. That's who Jesus has has paid a great price to make us and and to, to unite us to be. And then the question then becomes, okay, as a church then, how do, you, how do you live in such a way that reflects who you are in Jesus? How do you operate in such a way that, that you actually learn to grow in those areas and not forsake them? That's kind of the question. And then in addition to that, maybe how do we, how do we help lead the church in that kind of way as well? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And primarily we're going to talk about two things that we, we really believe are absolutely necessary to help us live our identity in Christ. We're going to talk about how we gather, and we're going to talk about how we go. 
So real simple. Okay, just two things to remember this week. Not a whole bunch like that. Okay, uh, you can remember the gather and go. Right, that one's easier. Okay, gather and go. So the first one is that we gather, and we have uh, what we're going to call cult- our cultivate gatherings, um, which are we gather as a church to exhort, encourage, and empower us as a family of missionary disciples. What we're talking about there are Sunday mornings. We are a a church who needs to gather together. And we've used that word before um, to talk about our Sunday gatherings. We we say all all the time, we gather as the church. We don't go to church. Remember me saying that quite a bit? Um, Because as as we saw last week, what it means to be the church is to be that. It's It's to have your identity changed as part of this new family of God. And so that family gathers together for, for some really important things. Um, and so this is the way that we say it. The church is not a building that has a, a steeple on it because when the church leaves, now it's just a building. It's not a church anymore. Um, the church is not a time slot. Like 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, that's church, so I go to church. No, that's not the case either because the church continues to be the church all week. You, like when we leave here, if we know Jesus and we're living out this new identity in Christ, we continue to live as the church all week long, right? And so that's not the church either. So when we say we're going to church, really what we, sh- we should be thinking in our minds is I'm going to gather with my church because I am the church. Um, but I realized one thing. When we were using a lot of this language to talk about how we are the church, we don't go to church. Um, One of the things that that does not mean is that our Sunday gatherings are unimportant. I just, I want to be real clear about that because talking about the church as being the church all week can lead us to thinking that the church is, when it gathers together on Sunday, that it's not something that's vital and important for the life of the church. One of the places that we see this the most clearest is uh, in Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. The author says this, Let us consider consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. A lot of times we tend to read the Bible as kind of written to individual people. And we read a verse like this and we, we think it was maybe written to like individual folks who had, who had just started living life like individualistically that need to start coming together in groups again. But that really wasn't the case. What was going on in the context is that this letter was written to households of churches, church households, who were scattered around the city and they were all gathering together in their little pockets but the, the author is going, hey, you're forgetting something really important. You're forgetting that all of these little pockets and gatherings of people all need one another. So don't, don't forsake meeting together as one larger family, one larger extended family across the city. That's incredibly important. And what, what really ratchets up that understanding is, the, is, is, is knowing that the reason that they stopped meeting was because many of the people were starting to get really persecuted for their faith in the city. And so what was happening is they would, they would gather together in these large gatherings 
And then the authorities would come in and break them up and they would confiscate their property and they would put some of them in prison uh, and they would be the, the subject of public insults. And so you had the church going, well, we don't like it when we get together and we get persecuted, so we're just going to continue to meet in smaller pockets in homes. And, and what's interesting is the writer's saying, don't just gather in your homes, continue to gather as this larger church across the city. It's worth it even if it makes you a bigger target for persecution. Isn't that amazing? Why? We often dialogue about different you know, things during the message. Why do you think the author of Hebrews would make such a strong point to go, don't forsake meeting together as a larger family? So, uh, but, but why value the, the larger gathering, even if that's a possibility? Yeah, you're not alone. You're not isolated from one another. You're not just this little pocket gathering in a house unto yourself. There are, there are people around the city that are fighting the same fight that you are, and you need to continue to meet together with them so that you'll be encouraged in the fight that God's given you to fight in your, through your home through your family, in the places that God calls you to throughout the week, right? And, and all the more so, he says, as you see the day approaching. And what he's referring to is the, the day that Jesus comes back into the world, and part of the understanding of what's going to happen when Jesus comes back into the world is that persecution is going to even increase. And, and, and the writer's going, even as it increases, be even more committed to gathering with your full family, not just the pocket that you meet with throughout the week. Right? James, what are you going to say? So you get the benefit of, of hearing from and being challenged by the larger family than just the maybe the nuclear family that you're a part of when you're not with that extended. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very likely that this letter was written to a city that was probably split up into various ethnocentric ghettos. And so you had a, a, a Jewish quarter and a Gentile quarter. And I mean, the, the city would have just been split up into all these areas. And part of the, 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 the missing element that they would have been missing from their own experience as the church is if they were just a bunch of Jewish people gathering with Jewish people, but they didn't get the Gentile people they would miss out on what Jesus was doing in the Gentile people and how they would challenge them in their faith and vice versa. So the, the city brings diversity, which, which says to the church, we all need one another. We need greater forms of diversity because God's family isn't just a family of one particular type of person. It's a family of every tongue and every tribe and every nation all coming together under Jesus and submitting ourselves to him. And so that tells me that as a church, we, we need to, to look increasingly like a family. And that in, in, if our, in particular in our groups, if we, we're not looking like a diverse family, we need the rest of the family to, to help us in our discipleship and for us to help others in theirs, right? Incredibly important. Um, I, here's one thing I, I realized as in bit, kind of a, a way of confession, that um, there have been many times in my desire for us to be the people of God all week that, uh, that in the language that I've used to describe that and talk about that and push on that side of the, of the, um, the scale, if you will, 
that unknowingly I've de-emphasized and devalued the Sunday gathering. That I've, I've um, undone some of the importance of what it means for us to be a church that gathers all together. I realized that um, a few months ago. And so I just, I need to ask for your forgiveness over that. Um, because God has corrected me in that area. And you need to know that. That as a church, we, we must value um, the larger gathering of our body. We must. It's incredibly vital for us to be uh, and experience the extended family of God together. And so we just want you to know that's something that we're absolutely affirming and saying that must uh, change and increase as we go forward as a family. And specifically, there, there are kind of three critical reasons we see that as necessary for the family of God. Um, one is that we need to be encouraged uh, as a family. Uh, we need to hear again the fact of what God has done through the gospel to make us his own. We need to experience that in the lives of other people around us. We need to be reminded of the Father's love for us, the fact that he is our Father. We need to be reminded of the fact that we are brothers and sisters and that we're in this together so that we can encourage one another even more as difficulties arise in all of our various lives. And so we do this in a number of ways when we gather together. We do it through worship and singing. We do it through having times of open dialogue when we teach. We do it through uh, opportunities to have people share from their lives of what God is doing. And that's something that, just to be honest with you, we want to see more and more of. Um, We'll we'll do it through uh, more intentional uh, gatherings after our, our Sunday kind of time together where we get to do a meal together and meet and gather with people that we don't normally gather with and talk with. So like next week when we do the the leftover lunch, those things are important to the life of our church. We need those things to encourage us as a family. But we also need to be exhorted as disciples, and that's kind of the spurring one another on. We need to remember all that Jesus has done for us and and recommit ourselves to him. And and the Sunday gathering is where we do that. we remember the gospel, we remember God the Father, and we worship and we serve Jesus our King. We ask Him to fill us again through the Holy Spirit. And so we do this through our teaching, we do this through testimonies, we do this through communion. And then, and then last, we need to be empowered as missionaries. Um, and we do this through prayer, which is really just a, a declaration of our need for Him. But it's, it's coming together as the family again, and, and asking God, come, empower us, fill us, send us again, make us effective for the things that you've called us to do when we're not together. Come and be among us again. We invite you here. We want to seek your presence. We want to seek your direction and your will for us as a church. You see why all these things are really important for us? That's why we need to be committed to Uh, our Sunday gathering. So the point of us gathering together is to remember and to rededicate ourselves to Jesus. So when we come together, we go, you know what? He died for us. We live for Him. Let's remember again. Let's celebrate again. And let's go out 
even more committed to Jesus and all that he's done in us. This only works, by the way, if we understand something about the dynamics of when we get together. Um, We're coming up on Thanksgiving, right? How many of you are going to celebrate in some shape or form Thanksgiving with some other people, right? Um, Thanksgiving is a very uh, unique holiday in that it's set up like a family dinner, right? Um, I I know, you know, various people because of, of, uh, you know, their family situations or where they live or whatever uh, go out to eat on Thanksgiving. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's a very different experience to go out to eat somewhere than it is to have a family dinner, right? What, what's, like, what are you un- what's the understanding of a family dinner when you come to a family dinner as opposed to a restaurant? Mayhem? Yeah. <laughs> Depending on the family, you expect, like, mayhem a little bit, right? Um, intimacy, good. What's that? Homemade, yeah. And, and particularly, the people have brought stuff to the dinner for the purpose of sharing with the rest of the family, right? Now, you may cop out and get something at the store and bring that, but you're still bringing something. <laughs> yeah, right. More participatory and less show, right? Less performance and more... Participation. Yeah. yeah. You expect to gather together with people to not, not just to eat, right? Um, the food is the, the binding element, but it is, you're really going for the relationships, right? That's part of the deal. Now, you talk about the food afterwards. I get that. But uh, what else? Yeah, everybody brings to the table what they're good at, right? So if you make a killer gravy and you get known for it, they're like, man, you got to bring that gravy again, right? And you bring what you're good at to the table, and that fills in the needs of what other people aren't so good at. I'm terrible at rolls. I burn them every year. I forget the timer, and they come out charred and black. And so we've realized that in order to get good rolls, somebody else has to bring them. (laughs) Just the way it is in our family. In the same way as a gathering together as a full church, there are some things I am terrible at. And I I need the investment of a family into my life to bring what's lacking. And you need the same thing. Right? You need the same thing. What else? It's, it's a time out from your normal routine of go, 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 go in order to experience something that you might have missed before, right? It's a good analogy for what it means to gather as the church, isn't it? For us to go time out on life, let's come together, let's remember Jesus, let's recognize what he's done so that we can go back into our normal life with something new to bring because we need it. We need him, right? We need his investment in it. Yeah, time to make reconciliation a priority with the rest of the family, right? I mean, that's, that's particularly difficult this time of year if you feel like you've got some 
some maybe some heavy, weighty things uh, to reconcile over with some family members. You might even dread the holidays because of those, you know, awkward conversations that you might need to open up because you've been burying them for for ten months. But um, yeah, that's that's part of what it means to be in a family is to saying, no, we love one another enough that we're going to open that can of worms again so that we can deal with it. They do, yeah. Um, I'm going to go on from there, do you? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> because I think that's, uh, that's something of the attitude that we can uh, have when, when we gather together that, um, that, that we need to, uh, to be careful of. So, I mean, I look at uh, all your faces this morning, and it's great to see so many of you. You're all looking at me, which makes it a bit scary. But, um, but you know, as we come together, um, we shouldn't be coming for small talk. Uh, I know that we do, and it's good to say hi to everybody, but, but we can go beyond that, can't we? And, and I think God is challenging us to do that. You know, I think he wants us to, wants to see more participation amongst us. He wants us to gather together to make uh, our, our Sunday morning gathering very much a priority in our lives um, and to minister to each other. So, you know, you, you can, in FaceTime, you can talk to somebody and what you say may have a significance in their life. It may not just be a hello. Um, but it can go beyond that. I, I think one of the things that, uh, that God wants to see more from us is prayer. Um, two ways. One, that we pray more, which I think would be it's very important. But also that, that we have the courage to ask for prayer. Um, now, not why Jay's speaking. You don't need to do it like that. But, but you have friends around you. We gather together. Um, you know, you can collect two or three folks in a corner if there's something on your heart that you really feel that you need to, to pray about. And you should have the courage to do that. I mean, rhetorically, but how many of you pray before you come to, to a Sunday morning gathering? Maybe you don't have the time at home. You know, kids are, kids are a challenge. Um, Amen. <laughs> um, maybe you can pray as you're driving, but but um, you know to be expectant, to 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 come asking God to show you what He wants you to share, and and also if He has um, something that um, He wants you to give or, or offer to somebody else, um, you can do that and expect that God um, God inhabits us. You know, when we're together in, in this place, um, not because of this place, but because we are together. And, and he can do some uh, incredible things. And I think he wants to do that. You know, I'm looking for, for us to have more faith and, and more participation, too. So you've, uh, several of you have said how you've enjoyed um, the uh, ways that the communion has been changed around these last couple of weeks. We're going to confuse you again later on, I think. Um, but... But um, that's, a, that's a form of participation. I actually don't like this situation. You're all looking at me uh, and Jay. You know, we should be participating together. We are a family together. And, and God wants us to, to minister to each other. So, um, yeah, we'll probably still have people, you know, you'll be looking at the front at times. But we're looking to participate more. I'm, I'm looking forward to next week because we're going to have a, a rather different structure as we did last Thanksgiving for for the way that, um, that we participate together. So pray, be expectant, um, be willing to participate and expect that God will move because he will. 
He really will. Yeah. Um, no, Jay doesn't know where he's in the notes. Yeah. I, <laughs> this is I had something fun. really good, and then <laughs> it was gone. Um, yeah, just uh, even, even next week, we're going to spend um, more time worshiping uh, through song. And you're going to get to hear stories of people and how God has been at work in their lives uh, and showing them who he is. And so we're, I think what Pete is saying and what I'm echoing is that we're, we're looking for even more opportunities to do that as a family because we want to hear from the family. Um, because here's one of the fundamental things that I believe is that um, if you know Christ, if you come to him and he is your Lord, then he puts his spirit in you and what that means is that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now living in you just as much as he's in me. Which means that when we gather together as a church, it may be that the most significant thing someone takes home from the time that we gather together is something that you tell them, not something that I tell them. And I want you to know as a pastor, I'm good with that. I'm really good with that. I want God to speak to us and to move in us. And I don't expect that it's only going to happen through me because of a title. That's not the case. Um, so exactly, come expectant that God is going to do something. Um, and so we're, we're challenging you to make Sundays a, a priority. And we're challenging you to challenge others to do the same. Those of, you know, who are part of our family that, that aren't uh, here today, go talk to them and, and, and tell them what... You know, what, what was shared with you uh, and, and say, look, we're, we're, we're trying to rebalance the scales, if you will, and we're understanding that Sunday is a big part of who we are as a church and we need to value it again. So please, may, as a leader, I'm challenging you to make this a, a priority. And, and just as, a, as you do at a family dinner, make coming to contribute a priority as well, which means contributing to maybe some of the other members of, of our family together. So if you haven't been involved in kids' ministry before, maybe this is a good opportunity for you to go, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to come and to serve some of the kids in, in my extended family because they are my family too. And God has put me in this family to help out. Maybe that's some, a take-home from today is you, you say, how, how can I help out in some area that needs help? And that might be in kids, it might be in worship, it might be just serving in a cafe. It might be, as Pete said, just through prayer and offering it for the sake of other people. Again, when you think of a family dinner, you bring what you're good at. You bring what you can contribute. And so what we're doing is we're calling on the family just to say, bring what you can contribute. Because it's going to benefit everybody else. We need one another. Here's the other thing, though, that in terms of a structure... Uh, for us to live out our identity in Christ that we need to be honest about. Even though Sunday needs to be revalued as its importance, Sunday is not enough. It's not sufficient for us to live as the family of God all week. There needs to be some other environment that happens for us to, to not just be encouraged as the family, but to live as the family. Not just to be exhorted as disciples, but to grow as disciples. Not just to be empowered as missionaries, but to be sent as missionaries. We need to, to be together in some kind of way where we go, uh, and that's going to happen just as much as when we gather. 
And so what we're, what we're saying is that's going to happen through something called cultivate communities. We go as the church to live together as a family of missionary disciples. Uh, I, again, I need to be honest with you about some of the language that I've used and some of the, the, um, the history of just the last year or two as a church. Um, but f- since we began, we, we started with uh, small groups that we called life groups that primarily the purpose and function of a life group, although not completely, was to be smaller environments where care happened for the individuals within the group. Um, along the way, I be- became convicted that as a church, we needed to lead our, our communities to kind of rebalance the scale, if you will, not just families and disciples, but missionaries. And so Mandy and I started a pilot of something called a missional community where we said we're, 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 we're going to try at, to um, invest ourselves not just in one another, but in another group of people and try to make disciples of a, a, another group as God leads us how to do that. And what I realized is that that created a dichotomy between the two, whereby we were saying missional communities are better than life groups. And that was never the intention. That was never my goal. That was never our hope for that to be the case. Really, we were just trying to learn something new for the benefit of the body so that we could rebalance what we do in terms of our structures to make us more effective at what God was calling us to do. And I realized that I made a number of mistakes in how I did that. Again, what I'm asking is your forgiveness in that area. Um, The reality is that um, life groups were never really completely internal in terms of their, uh, their focus. And missional communities were never really intended to be entirely outward focused either. Both were a misconception because both are necessary. But what we discovered is that the terminology and teaching behind our groups from a fundamental level needs to change entirely. And so that is why, beginning today, we are retiring both life groups and missional communities as a term. (laughs) We will no longer be using either one. What's that? The new, so as of today, from today forward, we'll be using the term cultivate communities to describe our smaller, smaller relational families. So we gather as a large family, cultivate gatherings, and then we go as smaller communities cultivate communities. Both are necessary, both are vital for us to live out what God is calling us to do. Do you see that, how they complement one another rather than compete against each other? Um, so if our, if our cultivate gatherings are where we're encouraged, exhorted, empowered to live life as family, missionary, disciple, then our cultivate communities are where we go to live out those identities all the, the rest of the week. And we get this understanding of, of, of doing this uh, from a biblical idea of something called an oikos. An oikos is really just the New Testament Greek word for household, which were extended families who functioned together for, the, for a common purpose. Um, and so in the early church, the oikos was the, the center around which discipleship and mission flourished uh, for the first hundreds of years in the church. It was the, the vehicle that facilitated the relational dynamic that allowed the church to really f- thrive uh, in, in early contexts. Um, 
And so that's why throughout the book of Acts, what we kept seeing when we were going through Acts, if you remember this, is, uh, is that much of the ministry happened in the context of this oikos or household. And so in Acts 5, you see um, this happening. Day after day, in the temple courts, gathering, and from house to house, community, oikos. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, in Acts 8, when, when um, Saul, who ultimately becomes Paul, was persecuting the church and trying to stamp it out, where did he go to find the church? It says Paul be- uh, Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Why did he go from house to house? Because that was, the, that was where Christians were together all week. So he, he realized he could stamp out where they all gathered together and the church was still going to move forward because it was gathering in smaller communities and households. Then in Acts 20, when Paul ultimately um, begin, begins planting churches, not trying to stamp them out because of what Jesus has done in his life, it says you, he says this to the elders. He says, you know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but taught you publicly, gathering, and from house to house community. See how both are there. Both are present. So living as an oikos, as as his household, has been the norm for almost every culture for most of human history. It's only in the last couple hundred years that in the West we've reduced this idea to family to kind of the 2.4 children in a single family home and forsaken the wider community. And, And this is a This is a quote from uh, Mike Breen who puts it this way, which I thought was poignant. He says, Only in the last hundred years or so in the West have we lost this sense of being extended families on mission. For a whole host of reasons, we have unwittingly embraced the fragmentation of the extended family and tried to live primarily as individuals in nuclear families. The result of this experiment has been utterly disastrous. And you probably see the aftermath all around you. Loneliness and depression are rampant. We are more stressed and busier than ever. And many people feel as though they're barely keeping their heads above water as they try to advance their careers, raise their kids, and seek some kind of semblance of meaning in life. It's a pretty accurate description, right, of society today. Here's the good news in that. As the church... In the midst of this kind of sea of chaos and confusion, those of us that follow Christ literally have the the opportunity to remake and rebuild society by forming extended family communities that aren't centered around blood or ancestry, but around Jesus. Do you get what I'm saying there? And so a cultivate community uh, is a vehicle in which we live out this new identity in Christ. It's a vehicle by which we push back on what's normal in our society, which is tearing us apart as a society. And so it's, it's really our desire for us to see all of our groups, not just one or two of our groups, all of our Cultivate communities living out our three identities. And so they would live out and care for one another as family. There'd be real care that's going on within the middle of the group as a family. What does that imply for you? 
would be necessary in terms of the life of the group if that's going on? How often would they see one another? Probably more than once a week. You probably have organized meetings where you say, we, we all meet together on Tuesday night. But you wouldn't see the group, just, just like we don't, we don't see the church as just being a Sunday gathering, you wouldn't see the group as just a Tuesday night gathering either. You go, no, we're, we're really the family of God all week. And so we might gather together on Tuesdays intentionally in an organized way, but organically we're going to try as much as possible to see one another and invest in one another's lives throughout the week as well. Now that may be as simple as a text on your way to work, or that might be getting coffee together, or that might... What's that? Not while driving. Not while driving. <laughs> as you're in a carpool with someone else driving on the way to work. <laughs> Um, but you, you'd say, you know what, if, if we're a family, we should see one another. It also probably means that there are multiple generations and some kind of diversity represented in the group. Too often, I think, our natural tendency is just to want to gather in community with the people that look most like us because we think that people that look different than us have nothing to contribute into our lives. And that is not the case. We need the diversity of one another. And so if, if you're going to be a, a community who's starting to grow in what it looks like to be a family, it means that you need moms and dads and grandmothers and grandkids along the way. You need people that look different from one another, not just people that look the same. Because here's the thing. What, what binds people together as a family, according to what it means to be the church, is, is not some kind of common activity or some kind of common identity other than Jesus. It's Jesus himself. And so that means that I can actually get together with people that look very different than me and treat one another like family, even though there's diversity. And so here's the thing that we all need to ask of the, the groups that, that are, are cultivate, cultivate communities that we're in. How are we going to live and care for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ? How is that going to take place? How, how will we grow in that element, in that area? How will we share life together? How are we going to experience that together? Maybe just in one step. Like, Don't think of it in terms of you need to go from 0 to 100, but maybe from 10 to 11. How do I just increase the intentionality of our group just one degree so that we operate like that a little bit more? Secondly, we, we want to grow as disciples. Um, and so this implies that, that we're actually beginning to, to take ownership over our own maturity in Christ and over the maturity of the other people in our group because we're in this together, right? So it's life on life, life in community. And so we should be asking, in what ways does God want us to grow this year? What ways is he really challenging us? Hey, this is something that you need to work on. This is an area that you need to experience the gospel. This is an area that you don't yet believe all that I am and all that I've done for you. And as a group, you come together and you go, you know what? I think it's this area. Can you help me with that? Can you invest in me and I'll invest in you? We'll make this covenant together to be in one another's lives for the purpose of helping each other. And then last, that we would... Uh, our cult- cultivate communities would be sent as missionaries. That there would be a sent aspect 
to our groups as well. Not, not just um, a, a gathering aspect, but who is the group then investing in outside of the group? Who is God sending you to, in a sense, uh, to invest in for the purpose of seeing other disciples made? See, we, we've emphasized in a lot of ways and a lot of times the need to be uh, kind of individual missionaries when we've talked about the life of our church, especially through the book of Acts. Um, but you can't be a full missionary alone. You just can't. You want to know why? It's the Sunday school answer. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the, the Sunday school answer is because Jesus said so. <laughs> In John thirteen thirty five, he says, it, no, 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 it's your love for one another that shows you're my disciples. Yeah. And so you, you can go out and God is calling you to, to maybe invest in some people at work or some people that you live around. But the question then is, who, who as a family are you going to together to be a demonstration of who God is and what he's like? Because Jesus says the way that happens most effectively is when a community goes together to do it together. That's when it really occurs. And so all of our groups then need to ask, who is the Spirit sending us to to demonstrate and declare the good news of Jesus. Now, here's maybe another point of correction um, that we need to just address. Oftentimes when we talk about uh, our now cultivate communities being on mission, um, there's been an understanding that that means that they operate in a neighborhood with a group of people. Um, and, and again, some of that is the language that I've used, which has led people to, to think that we have some ministries that happen here on our property, and then there are other people that go elsewhere to do other things. And those things, whatever they are in the neighborhood or whatever, are more important than what happens here. And that's not the case either. Here's what we're talking about in terms of our Cultivate Communities being on mission, that there will be some... Com- cultivate communities that come together and as they prayerfully discern what God is leading them to do, will say, you know what? The people that God is leading us together to be on mission to are the people that come to and serve in the food pantry. The people that God is leading us to come together to, together to be on mission to are the people who garden in the deep roots garden. The people that God is leading us to come together to, f- together for the sake of are the, the families that come to the preschool, New Horizons. And we're going to invest in them and we're going to build relationships with them. And it may be that there are other groups that come together and go, you know what, the people that God is leading us to together happen to be in a neighborhood that doesn't meet on the campus of our church. All of those things are good outcomes. And I want to make a distinction even further to say this. When we think of the ministries of our church, we often think, particularly of the food pantry, as your investment to the life of the pantry means that you help out in the organization and the running of the pantry. As a church, there's going to be a need for us to do that. Like, there's always going to be a need for us to, to come and volunteer, to give our time to pack boxes and to help you know, people out to their cars and to do registration and all those things. 
But what I'm talking about in terms of a group that says we want to be on mission to the people of the pantry is that they come to the pantry with a different intentionality. They would come to the pantry not going, how can I help and serve and make sure that the pantry gets done? How can I help and serve those people that are coming for the purpose of making disciples in that group of people? Do you see the difference between those things? So you... So for a cultivate community to come together and say, we're going to be on mission to the pantry, which we don't have in place yet, but we're, we're, we're prayerfully saying we want a group that does that, would be for them to go, you know what? We're all going to get involved in the pantry and we're going to figure out ways to build community with the people that come. Not just on the Thursdays that they come for food, but maybe at other points and other times as well. Because we, we value them, we think they're important, and we want to give our time and energy to them so that we might display the gospel in the hopes of getting the opportunity to actually tell them about Jesus so that they come to know him and not just a group of nice people that gives them food. Does that make sense? Same thing with the, 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 uh, with the preschool and same thing with, with other areas. I guess the point that I'm trying to say with all of these things is that if you take any one piece away, from a cultivate community, you will, as a community, you will not grow into all that God intends for you to be. And so if you're a community that just says, we're going to come together to grow as disciples, but you don't treat one another as a family and you never grow as missionaries, then likely you're growing in your knowledge of God, but you're not growing in your application and obedience of his word. But if you're coming together as a family and you say, hey, we're just going to be really good family, but we're not going to really consider what it means to grow together, or we're not going to be on mission, then you're going to do a really good job at taking care of one another, but you'll never actually grow up into Jesus, which is the whole point of the thing in the first place. And if, if you just say, hey, we're just going to be a group of missionaries who give our lives to that, but we're not going to be a family or disciples then likely you'll just base your identity on what you're doing for Jesus, not on Jesus himself. And you'll start to think that what it means to be connected to Jesus is just to do a whole bunch of good stuff for him rather than know him. We don't want any of those things to occur. I should probably reinforce that point as well. Whenever you think about a cultivate community, you need to be thinking about this diagram. Um, it's particularly those, those three things, family, disciple, and missionary, and recognize that, uh, that it is a community that is about those three things and that those three things are important. Not one, not another, but all three. And, you know, we're going to be, uh, as different communities, we're going to be stronger in one of those spokes than, than the other, but that's fine. Um, we seek God to understand how he can strengthen us in those places that we see weakness. But we are about those three things. And when we're looking for fruit, um, when we see fruit on, uh, uh, out of our community, it'll be related to those three areas. So in family and in being disciple and growing and, and in uh, our outreach to others and those that we're touching. So all of those three things are important. And I think the challenge for us going forwards for, for most of us is still to figure out um, how to break out of the... Um, I kind of call it the, uh, the American suburban lifestyle. Um, Jay read the, uh, the quote from, from Mike uh, Breen earlier that we'd, um, the fragmentation of the extended family and um, that we become individuals and, and that we're isolated. 
and, and that's, that's so true. I, I, I prefer a different analogy because I'm English. The, um, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a um, phrase in English common law which says an Englishman's home is his castle. You got that? So, so for me, um, I, I kind of dream of having a home that's high up on a hill, you know, with ramparts and a moat, okay? I got one going there. One moat, yep. Um, a drawbridge. And, um, and uh, you know, I can see anybody that's coming from miles away. I'm not, under English law, I'm not allowed to have a sniper rifle, but you get where I'm going. <laughs> so that's what we have to move away from. I think that's the challenge. We have to recognize that our culture is making us that way, that, that, that we become isolated, and uh, we want to break that down. And, and that's hard. And, you know, some of us have, have been in, in groups that have been trying to, to figure that out and are still working on it to, to try and make that happen. But it's really important. And as we come together and as we are community together, then we demonstrate the gospel and Christ to others. And that's what the scripture says. So that's, that's the way we want it to be. So, you know, the challenge... Um, for you guys is if you're not in a, in a cultivate community right now, then uh, you need to be thinking about that. You need to be thinking about how you can get more connected on a more than once a week basis with other folk, um, what that would look like. There are, there are a number of groups around. Some of them have uh, plenty of uh, spaces right now. So um, you need to understand that Sunday is good but not sufficient, and you have to find a way forwards with that. I really encourage you to do it, and you, you will not be sorry that you put in the effort because a, a community of believers together on a more daily basis is just a wonderful thing. Um, so, so you need to, to figure out how to get into that. There's a, there's a number of ways. You can talk to JRI, of course, about existing groups. Um, uh, there, there are other leaders in the church uh, that, uh, that can help you with that. Um, or if you're on the city, uh, um, most of them are listed, I think, as well. You can, you can get at it that way. But um, connect more and, and find a way to be those folk that are more in community, um, if you possibly can. And if you're um, already in a cultivate community, then as Jay has previously said, you know, this is a good week to be meeting and saying, well, how do these three things, family, disciple, missionary, how are we doing? Where are we? Um, what do we need to do differently? What would God have us do differently? Um, where would he take us next? And what does this mean for us? So, so uh, that's a, a challenge, for, I think, for our groups as we, uh, as we go in, into the uh, following week. Um, and you may, you may un- kind of get to a, a, an understanding where as you gather together with your group, and think about uh, being in a community that's pursuing those three things, that you may discern that God's calling you to shift the community that you're in. And that's okay, too. Um, Where we're at right now in terms of our group life is that we have six Cultivate communities with the potential of one or two more uh, starting early next year. And so as Pete said, there there are actually a number of opportunities for for you to to get involved or re-involved maybe somewhere else uh, at, than the place that you've been at. And really what we're encouraging you to do is just to have those honest conversations with 
your community to say, what is God leading us to do going forward? How can we be committed together uh, to doing this and to growing along the way? So here's what we're asking. Um, really, is just as a church we're, and as leaders, we're committed to leading us in such a way where we lift up and value both. And we're asking for you to commit yourselves to, to both uh, in terms of your participation, energy, and effort. Um, and, and that's really it. We don't have time for much more. So. Oh, no, we're running out of time, <laughs> I can see. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're going to lead into our, uh, our time of communion together. Um, I hope what you've heard, um, and, and one of the big takeaways, is that this is really a new season for us as a church. We are really moving into a new season. Uh, we've learned a whole lot over the last year or two. Um, and and I, we really believe that what God is doing in, in this day is, is uh, kind of bringing us back to our roots, so to speak, so that we would remember who God started us out to be, and yet not leaving us there, but saying, I have new things for you. Uh, one of the most encouraging verses to me, and we're going to use this to, to talk through our communion is, uh, together, is, is that Jesus, when he comes to his disciples, as he's about to leave and ascend to heaven, he says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go and be about what I'm about, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded of you. So don't, don't just teach people to have big heads, but teach people how to live, how to relive their lives. And, and behold, I'm with you. I'm with you even to the very end. And so even though there are a number of changes that we're talking about this morning in terms of the life of our church, please know that Jesus is the one who has the authority and he's the one who sent us and he's also the one who promised to be with us. And by the way, that's the only thing Jesus ever promised. Jesus never promised that change would never come. Jesus never promised that we would never have difficulties. Jesus never promised that our sin would not you know, get in the way. Jesus never promised that we'd never have to reconcile and, and go through the process of asking one, or one another for forgiveness. He never promised any of those things. The only thing he did promise is that when you go and you make disciples, I will be with you. And, and that is the most encouraging thing. So let's pray, and then we're going to lead you to the tables. Father, thank you for uh, your goodness in our lives. Thank you that uh, you've made us your family. Thank you that because of the gospel, we're yours. And that we exist not just for ourselves, but we exist for you. God, I thank you that you're gracious with us as leaders, that you've taught us a number of things, and uh, some of those things painfully so. And yet, um, your grace still abounds. You still give us new things, new opportunities for us to be on your mission and to learn from our mistakes so that you'd lead us again. So, Father, thank you for that. Thank you, God, that you're good. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, so here's, here's what we're going to do as a family. I realize that we have kids among us now. Um, there are four tables at each of the corners of the room. And um, we are, uh, in response to what Jesus has done on our behalf, the fact that he's promised to be with us, we're just going to invite you to go to one of the four tables that's closest to you. Take the bread, which symbolizes his body, break it off, pass it around to the, to the people in your, in, in your group, and then dip the bread in the, the juice together 
but hold on to it, okay? So go to the, to the tables, um, gather in, in circles, take the elements, and then when you do and we're, and we're all together, we're going to pray together and lead you through that. And we'll sing and uh, go as the family.